Hey, Queeros, this week's episode is sponsored by Who Charted. What? Who Charted? It is a podcast that I have been a guest on. Because each week, comedian Howard Kremer, who I know, brings his funniest friends on to discuss the top five songs and movies of the week. Recently, he's been joined by Natasha Legero as a co-host. You might know Natasha from, like, Another Period or the Honeymoon Stand-Up Special on Netflix. Or, like, I might know her from my life because I know her. <laughs> they talk about everything from mumble rap to new country music. They debate Neil Young versus Jimmy Buffett and which movies seem too loud. Plus, each episode, Howard, Natasha, and a guest also share their hot picks with listeners and things they recommend. Recent guests include actor and writer Ben Schwartz, comedians John Early and Kate Berlant, and Earwolf's own Paul F. Tompkins. I literally know everybody that has guested on this show or hosts it. You can listen to Who Charted on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cameron here. Incredible news. Today's guest is Trixie Mattel. Oh, yes! Trixie Mattel from... Drag Race from the Trixie and Katya show on Viceland oh, from like a really successful show on YouTube called Uh and she's got a bunch of amazing folk albums out anyway this is just an artist that I have been following a lot um, in I would say like the past couple of years and I'm just so proud of her and happy for her because she's she's really killing it right now first giant headlining tour she's doing like 59 dates, I think she told me during this interview. And she slotted us in during one of two days that she's home here in Los Angeles. So please, like, tweet at her and just say, Trixie, you're you're fucking awesome for making time for Query. Um, she's a gem. I am so excited to have a queen on the show, and I'm so excited that it's Trixie. Also, incredible news. I have been working on this show, an hour-long show about sexual assault from the perspective of a survivor. I've been doing it in really small rooms, 50 or 100-seat theaters all over the country. I've done it in, like, Sacramento and Chicago and and, um, New York a couple of different times and in Nashville and Alabama, actually. So I am really excited to tell you uh, that I'm going to release it. I just recently taped it. I'm going to release it as a special, and you can use that special – well, I'm going to use that special – to raise money for a rape crisis organization. So stay tuned here. I will give you more information about when and where you can pitch in and get involved, but I'm really excited about this project, and so many folks helped me pull it off here in Los Angeles last week. So I can't wait for you to hear more about it and for us to all come together, raise some money, and uh, I don't know, just try to make the world a better place. Please enjoy the show. I'm, I don't even know how you fit me in because I saw that you were in like I'm Rochester. I'm for two days and I leave for Australia Monday. Thank you for doing this. Oh, yeah, I was in Buffalo last night. Buffalo, that's right. <laughs> so like, what did you do? Fly? Did you fly in like, like an hour ago? This morning, yeah. Yeah. I got to my house at like noon, showered, and then uh, came here. I had to And go it's to, like three. Yeah. This is incredible what you've done. Oh, I do this every day. <laughs> My boyfriend was on tour with me for like three weeks, and at the end of it, by the way, he's the only person on the bus who didn't have a job. 
Like he just drank wine and watched TV, right? And at the end, at the end of the tour, he was like, "I'm exhausted." Yes, I was like you haven't done anything, but but, the, but still the timing alone, yeah, will do it to you. Even my opener, he's only on stage 15 minutes, but it's not the stage time that's tiring with touring; it's everything else. Who opens for you? What kind of an act? His name's Brandon James Gwynn. He produced both my albums. Mm. He plays piano and does comedy. And I like what I do. I've like launched right into this, but that's because I feel that level of comfort. Yeah. There is a part of the beginning of the show where I have guests introduce themselves. So would you say who you are? Will you okay. introduce yourself? Hi, I'm a nice person with a lot to offer, mm-hmm. and I'm Trixie Mattel. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to have a great lead-in. Yeah, yeah. I like a weird like VHS dating opener. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> have you ever seen the movie Singles? It's like maybe beyond before your time. You need to wa- rent the movie Singles. How old are you? I'm 36. I'm basically oh. a decade older than you, right? Katya's 36. Are you 20? I'm 28. Uh, yeah, yeah. Katya's 36, and so we are both, we, we're similar where we only overlap in like the Spice Girls <laughs> and like maybe one Disney movie, that's it. Right, yeah. So. No, I know our childhoods were totally different. Yeah. But I feel like you're obviously an ageless, an ageless beauty, so I would, I would believe that you are. I don't know about that. Watch season seven of Drag Race to All Stars. I was Tom Riddle. <laughs> and now I'm fully the dark lord, he who must not be named. Like, I barely have eyebrows anymore. You know, I look more and more like an egg. <laughs> I thought if I shave my head early in life, that way when I'm like 50 and bald, people will be like, yeah, he's always looked the same. Don't you think that's a good strategy for I a man? Th- n- number one, I think it's a great strategy. Um, you also have like a good shaped head. Thanks. Which I think, I think so. really matters. You know, because yeah. sometimes that's like the most tragic thing is when yeah. you see somebody that maybe has to make the choice. To well, shave and it's like it's a lot. Crap, they have a badly shaped head. Because that you do see that sometimes. A and lot that's of terrible. people have that flat back of the head. That's rough. It's bad. Like if they were, you know, if they were doing a it's like a table. Like a flick table. Yeah, you can put a you can put like a shot on there or something small yeah. like that. I mean I just have like a normal like white guy egg head, you know. I always say I look like a ASL interpreter who moonlights as a clan member. <laughs> that's what I look like. <laughs> do you feel like what is it like having, uh, like, very short slash no hair on your head oh, yeah, I'm in fully, this part of your life? It's great because uh, if to think of what I do for a living, I wear wigs. Yes. So long are the, like, gone are the days where if you have, you know, your length hair or my length, like, if you have longer hair, you have to pin it, everything. When you have a shaved head, it's like Velcro. So for wigs, it actually, like, secures well to your Velcro head. Yes. And how, and you're going, you're on tour right now, so you're, like, getting in. To drag every day, every day, every day. I've done, I just completed twenty four cities, <laughs> and then I'm going to Australia I have chills. for two weeks. I have chills, and then I continue the other twenty five. Uh-huh. So it's a forty nine city United States tour, and then there's also it's just like a mid stop in Australia. Yeah, easy to get in to. And there's a mid stop. There's ten Canadian dates. Okay, so it's really it's really a North American tour, and it's really fifty nine cities. And this level <laughs> of like touring fifty nine cities. Yeah, this is. Is it's this crazy. new for you? Like like this this amount this fast? Yeah. I mean, I've done group shows where yeah. I'm responsible for maybe like a set. Mm-hmm. But this is my first time touring a you know, two-hour, hour-and-a-half-long show alone at this level. This, this like seating capacity. You know, like the Wiltern. Yeah, you're, I'm in com- big, you're in big places. Yeah, I'm coming to L.A., the Wiltern. I think it's, it seats like 1,200. I think we have like under 100 seats left. I'm like, what? You know what I mean? I remember like two years ago I was, you know— like not, I mean, before Drag Race, I was, you know, reading bingo balls for 15 people in Milwaukee. You know what I mean? It's, I know that you're supposed to dream big, and I know that in L.A., the whole thing is like, 
It's not weird because I always knew it. You know, people are always like, it's not weird to see myself on TV because I always knew I would be on TV. Yeah. It is weird and it, it will is, always be weird. It's weird. I guess I feel like maybe the people I hang out with are like chill enough that I get to see behind that curtain yeah. pretty frequently. Like at a party or something, you're going to hear that thing that you're talking about. But I feel yeah. like there are definitely friends of mine who I'm able to be like, this is legit wild, right? We're all agreed this is wild. Yeah. But your trajectory, like the the – this like steep rise. You think it's? I think it's a slow crawl because I think like before Drag Race, you know, you perform locally for, you know, a good night is a couple hundred people in the club, mm-hmm. and then after Drag Race, you know, I was just on season seven of Drag Race, RuPaul's Drag Race. I was like middle of the pack, you know, sort of, sort of, and then the YouTube series with Katya started, which. Then the audiences got bigger, and then I put out my albums, and the audience got bigger, and then I did All Stars, and the audience. So for me, it was like it wasn't like overnight a thousand people. It was like a slow build. Yeah, I totally get that, and I don't feel like it was overnight. It, I think it was more like when it's somebody else's, when it's not you, it's easy to see like big moments where because you can kind of go like at a um, like a steady climb, and then you'll have like these moments where you shoot up to yeah. like the next thing. So yeah. like winning All Stars is. Huge. Yeah, it's totally cool. And also having your albums chart on oh. the country charts and all that stuff. Like, the, you're you're kind of killing it right now. To be like a homosexual. <laughs> you know what I mean? Writing, fo- writing like, folk music. But then again, I, f- I feel that uh, the folk music Americana world doesn't get the credit it deserves as far as, like, those people aren't conservative as much as they're, like, just like hippies. Mm. They're very go with the flow. Like, even, like, I'm doing, a, I'm doing um, an interview for Auto Harp Quarterly. <laughs> Which is something I never thought, you know, a lot of the people who play the auto harp are about, you know, older. Sure. So to be a cross-dresser, being able to be interviewed and, you know, it's it, it's amazing how people are more supportive than you think. Or at least that's how I try to see it. Is this is this your culture? Like the stuff that you play, is this what you listened to growing yeah. up? So I grew up on like, uh, you know, my grandpa was a folk musician. So he used to play, you know, Johnny Cash, um, you know, like uh, George Jones, Conway Twitty. That, I remember like sitting on his lap and he would play, he would come home from being a plumber and still be in like plumber clothes and like play guitar. And then, but that was old people music to me. So when I was younger, I was like, it's boring. It's stupid. So I came up, you were eight years older than me. When I was starting to like listen to the radio, all the music was like acoustic guitar driven pop music. So think like Michelle Branch, Sheryl Crow, Melissa Etheridge. I've heard of, I've heard of all these people. <laughs> yes. you ha- oh, yeah. I... Th- you know how people – it's always like, I'm a I'm, – what do they always say? You know how gay guys will say like, I'm a sassy black girl trapped in a white – you know, which yeah. is not a great thing to say. Musically, I think I should have been like a full Lilith Fair or like – like I should – it should have been like Brandy Carlisle to my left, Melissa Etheridge to my right. I should have had your hair cut. Can I tell you the honest truth? I went to Lilith Fair. Like, I bet you're too young. You didn't ever go, No, did you? It, I mean, I was a kid, I yeah. was there, friend. I was fucking there. Was it everything? It was everything. <laughs> it was everything. Okay, so I was in high school, and all of my— I had, like, this crew of straight female friends. Like, we were—there was five of us, and there were five dudes. We all dated each other. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. And so all the women, I convinced them that we should all go to Lilith Fair. And by the way, like, none Great of us— Great salesperson. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> none of, like, none of them had— well, I think maybe Sarah McLaughlin was, like, big enough at the time that it was like, oh, yeah, like, that's a cool ticket, you know? That was, like, her uh, Building a Mystery era? Yeah, she was totally singing that. She was totally singing Building a Mystery. Yeah. Because she wasn't singing She wasn't the sad singing, music. like, Adia yet. Exactly, yeah. yeah. She wasn't singing about, like, 
I always imagine that then she started singing about her grandparents, but I don't know if that's actually in the lyrics yeah. or just what I thought she was singing about. Yeah. The only sadness that I knew at that time was the death of a grandparent. If people are sad. They've lost a grandparent. That's, that's still sad. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, I think, unless you don't have a grandparent. Yeah. I but was, I went and rushed the stage. Was like it I, everything? Like I, like Who I was screamed it? rushing the stage. Like Sarah was there. Sarah McLaughlin was there. Who else would have been there? Um... Fuck, like, I only remember her, but, I mean, I got the shirt, you know? And I threw the shirt away a couple years ago. Why did I do that? You I turned think your about back that all on the time. It. Stupid. Maybe it was, like, too lesbian. You were like, I can't have I think have that's this. what happened, but I, I didn't realize that my life was going to, that I was going to. Be, be so lesbian. Yeah, that I was going to be so fucking gay. That I, I was going to be like, I really want to put this shirt on. Like, the shame, like, I yes. went through that and now would, would embrace it. Yeah. I saw Joan Jett when I was 15, maybe. And, I mean, I. Does she, I don't really know her sexuality. Um, I don't know. She's at least an accidental lesbian icon. Yeah, she's definitely an accidental lesbian icon. I also don't know how she identifies, but there's definitely, like, stuff where she dated or yeah. was sleeping with women. Well, isn't like, that kind of things. inferred with, like, the Sherry Curry runaways yeah, kind of story? Yeah, like, I think that's part of it. I don't know. Kristen yeah. Stewart, she didn't make it clear enough for me. Well, when I see Kristen Stewart, then I'm that's all I can focus on. So I can't, I can't even pay attention to the movie. I um but she was so good. She was like 50, 60 years old or whatever, in like leather pants and a leather corset with paper white skin playing this oh guitar. God. And I was in like a sea of lesbians. And I was like 15 years old, like, yes. But I love I think I love folk I mean, I love folk music and a lot of my favorite artists are like Brandy Car I would Brandy Carlo could go tell me to run into traffic and I just I just would. Okay, I have two follow-up questions. Well, first one is a statement. I, to me, in my own head, when I imagine myself, I think I look like the Joan Jett that you're describing. Oh! <laughs> like, just a full leather corset is what I, like, I'm wearing a button-down, but to me, this is, like, that's what I'm wearing right now. Just, like, a total, like, leather, catsuit, rocker. There could yeah. be a reveal. I don't there, know. There might be a reveal. <laughs> this is all Velcro, and it's, don't worry about it. That's a good thing about being in drag on podcasts. You could not be in drag and then just vividly describe what you're wearing, and that's your look. Yeah, so you've described what I'm wearing to the listeners, which yeah. is really cool of you to do that. What am I wearing? Oh, you're wearing, um, so, so here's what I, so you've already said that you're not in drag. Oh, And damn. I think that you, like at, at DragCon, you were doing almost like a campfire girl thing. Yes. So I think it's fair to tell the folks at home that you're dressed as more of like kind of in the the, the Boy Scout range. Yeah. Um, with just like really short shorts. Honestly, those are so, they're yeah. such short shorts to be sitting down in. Yeah. And they're flesh tone, so it just looks naked. Just a, just a tight, short, <laughs> flesh tone short. Yeah, it's a good look. But with the shirt tucked in and a sash in your... Did you ever do acting? Um, yeah. No, but yeah. like, I mean like, like acting classes. No. I used to have this acting teacher that used to like, he used to like do that thing, that teacher thing where he would like stand up and like put one leg on the desk and he always had short dad shorts with like this ridiculous <laughs> bulge and he was always leaning in and it wasn't gross. He just didn't realize like, he you can't wear that and do that in an uh, academic environment. Sure. Like, like all of our PE ch teachers yeah. wore the same pants, those pants. But then in porn and those environments, it's totally fine. Yeah. You should actually lean into that. You should lean into a lot of things in porn. You have also said that, like, I'm just dumb, so sorry. Sorry about this. What is the difference between, like, wh why are, why, why is what you're doing not country? I think it's country. It's oh, folk. Oh, it is. I mean, I think it's folk, but, I mean, it sounds, um, I mean, it, I guess it's country. I mean, I chart on, like, the Americana folk charts. Okay. But it seems that it's, 
Um, I, I think because the costuming. I, I think I'm stuff, looking at you with my country. eyes. <laughs> well, I also play an auto harp, <laughs> yeah. which is the most you know, yeah, like, and it, country thing. Right. I love country music, and I guess um, it doesn't feel it. It feels like there's not a place for it in for like, I mean, gay people at all or cross dressers. But so far for me, it's been fine. Like, nobody's been really weird about it. The only weird feedback, I'll get really good reviews on the album, but sometimes if they're a little more conservative, they'll be like, the album is great, the songwriting is great, the imagery seems like a poor business choice because you're going to drive away people who like that music who won't give it a chance because they think it's, like, jokey gay music. Yeah. But, I mean— That doesn't feel right to me at all. I mean, I know, obviously, it doesn't feel right to you. No, and to me, I'm like, I'm a white guy with a guitar. That is a great way to have an audience not be interested in you. Yeah. That's not special. Right? Especially when you're doing um, the—like, you have you and boy drag and you and girl drag together. Like, that to me is such a—it's just like, that's an image that nobody else can do. Who can do that? If you can do that, then do the do the thing that nobody else can do. Right. Then you're that's how you create a market. Well, originally when we recorded Two Birds, which was released like last last year. Um, we we shot two different album arts in Dragon Out of Drag because we weren't sure how we were going to market it. And then we ended up using a version with both kind of imposed together. And then I was like, oh, I really like this sort of Dolly Part uh, Dolly Parton Porter Wagner sort of partnership. Like it looks, they both look like duet albums. Almost. Yeah, absolutely. Which, Which is what we do, you know. It's I, like, and I always tell people, if you listen to it, you don't hear a. If you, you shouldn't really listen to music and picture who's singing it anyway. You should listen to the music and kind of like, Joni Mitchell says like you shouldn't listen to the music and picture her because then you're not getting anything out of it. You should listen to the music and kind of like fit it into your world. Wow. And Joni I mean, Mitchell says that it must be true. That's. I mean, I, she's never wrong. Yeah. But I didn't. I never. I've never heard of that or or thought. Of, I mean, I guess my job is kind of the opposite of that. If I think about it, really, it's like I'm I'm trying to be universal, but I'm also really so much of stand up is about personal. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is me. Yeah. Like it becomes universal because it's so specific. Like yeah. that's how you make universal. That's how you make things universally funny is that you're like, here's what I notice. And only I notice this yeah. thing, which is really different than what you're And it makes about. you more real. Yeah. Because you have to have that layer of specificity to make it like this is a real thing. Yes. Yeah. And also it has to. Different than music, it has to feel like it's, like, all happening right now. Totally. Oh, my God. She walked out on stage and talked fluidly for 60 minutes without stopping. And And she didn't know what she was going to say. Yeah, it was not (laughs) pre-planned. Wow. I can't believe we were part of this amazing moment. Do you write everything? Are you like, because I've seen you. I saw you, Rayo. Yeah. And um, Tig. I think the show is called Tig and Friends. Yeah. Which is a very clean cut. You get what you pay for a title. You get it. It's yeah. taking her friends. Yeah. And it was like the week after the election, I think. I, I remember this show. I only remember that because the content was yeah. uh, um, about that. It was great. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, it was like a, it was a wild, everything was so wild then. And we had gone out to dinner with Tig before and then. It was so good. You guys were so good though. Oh, thanks. I mean, but like just. Three white lesbians sharing a bill. Do you know, oh, it was do you know how weird that is? Do you, ah, do you know how like yes. how many shows have been that? What you right. saw? You're like, do you know how many night? normal looking like, people have to be in this equation <laughs> yeah. for me to be the weirdo? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's probably the time that that has maybe ever happened. It was great. Um, where everybody was also, you know, like, I don't know, headliners or whatever, to for lack of a better 
term. Um, Tig had those jokes about how she doesn't let people in their show unless they are girls who look like boys. Right. That was like her requirement. <laughs> Just all, it was a parade of jackets. And she was saying that she gives everyone who looks like a boy, a girl, if your girl looks like a boy, she drives you to the theater too. Right. And then later on in the show, some girl came up on stage who presented very masculine and Tig goes, were you in my van earlier? And it was like the funniest thing. I w- it was like full milk. I didn't have any milk, but milk came out of the nose. It was so <laughs> Just good. Just produced. Hey, Queeros. Today's episode is sponsored by Tomboy X. Yes, Tomboy X. Now, I talk about them a lot on the show because they are a repeating sponsor. So first of all, thank you, Tomboy X. And they care about our community. That's why they advertise here because they're specifically making underwear that is open to folks that are part of the LGBT community. Now, why is that? Because first of all, they've got a bunch of different cuts. Depending on how you like your undies, you could get bralettes or bikinis or boy shorts or boxer briefs. They've also got a bunch of different sizes from extra small to 4X. They come in a diverse spectrum of shades with their new neutral line. So it's nude shades, but nude doesn't just mean peach colored or taupe or whatever. It means a bunch of different options. And that's what I love about Tomboy X. They've got also super soft fabric. It's like this micro modal thing that it's eco-friendly, and I, I don't know. You just got to touch it. It's real, it's real nice. So please head over to tomboyx.com slash querynutral. Check out their new line of neutrals and enter querynutral at checkout for an extra 15% off. That's tomboyx.com slash querynutral, and enter the code querynutral for 15% off at checkout. Today's episode is sponsored by Sugar Bear Hair. Yeah, Sugar Bear Hair. Look, I love hair. You know what I mean? I love my beautiful, luxurious locks. And Sugar Bear Hair is hair vitamins in a delicious little gummy bear. I don't know. I'm trying them out. I mean, my hair looks good all the time. I think it might look better. It's unclear. But what I will say is that they really do taste delicious. (laughs) Like, it's actually, they're really good. (laughs) Ray and I both think they taste really good. So that's because they've got the juice of real berries, but they contain everything you need for stronger and healthier hair. They've got as much vitamin A as four cups of broccoli, as much vitamin C as a couple cranberries, and as much B12 as organic eggs. Sugar Bear Hair is your choice for delicious vitamins that will make your hair and nails stronger. You go to sugarbearhair.com query for beautiful hair and healthier you. That's sugarbearhair.com query. Sugarbearhair.com query. Do you write everything in advance? Yes. Me too. Well, I mean, but that being said, I've just, I've done it for, I started in improv. So like I'm in the moment and if stuff is happening in the room, I absolutely talk about that. But I don't know if that's, is that easy for you to do? Like if yeah. there's shit going on in the room, you're like part of it. You're very funny. Oh, and I don't know you. where, like how, where the fuck does that come from? Just I, listen, like I read drag so many. is stand up. Yeah. But how? But how? How are you so good at being funny? Tell well, me. Well, I think drag always starts base level. It's failure. Mm. You're not a woman. Everyone in the room knows you're not a woman. It's sort of like if you're going to have technical issues or a wardrobe malfunction or something go wrong, a drag show is the place where it's welcomed. And oh, my tamagotchis are beeping. <laughs> Wait, literally? Oh tam- yeah, tamagotchis. <laughs> I don't know how to turn oh, them my off. God, I, I was trying. I was trying earlier to be like, we're not that, no, we're not that far apart in age, 
But then you have Tamagotchis in your yeah. pocket, so it makes me feel that you might yeah. be a very young child. It's just a testament <gasps> to how like white people don't have real problems. Oh, and you got to feed them, right? That's what you're like. That's what yeah, they you want? feed them. Um, they stay remember. alive. They've died, they died over drag con weekend because I got too busy, but they're back to life. <laughs> what is the button where you feed them? Uh, you push the left button, mm-hmm. and it'll show a bread or candy. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Oh, no, okay. I think you— I don't think I— No, I don't you think killed I my killed baby. That's I'm okay. sorry. It's um, oh, terrible. But I think um, dra- drag shows, I think it's just like everything should go wrong, and it's fine. And if it's, it's like a gift. If the mic goes out, if someone's too drunk, it's just part of the show. And so it's so funny because I read like Sarah Silverman's book, and I read Amy Schumer's book, and I've read every comedian's book. And every comedian's story is like, well, I bombed for 15 years until I finally thought of one good joke, and then I got invited to sit at a table with a bunch of men. And then someone, like, jerked off in front of me, and then I got a special. Yes. Like, it's such a long road. It is. But for drag, Katya and I always talk about, like, we, like, accidentally, like, slipped in the back door. And we're like, yep, we're comedians. We've been comedians the whole time. Like, two years ago, I debuted my first show that was, like, an hour. My first time doing stand-up, I did, like, a full 45-minute hour. And I was backstage, like, I've lied to them. I've swindled them. And then they're all about to find out. But it is, I mean, it is, it is true what you're saying, that, like, drag somehow is... It is improv and stand-up. Absolutely. That's why people, they're dragging me to make entire careers out of doing nothing but walking out unprepared and making a show out of whatever's going on in the room. There's comedians who work like that. Yeah, I mean, that is, that's, that is also what you're, what you were just talking about, that thing where you're starting. I mean, you know, you get on stage, like, before you actually have anything that's good. Yeah. So much like you're saying, it's a lie. I mean, you go on stage as a comic. Like, the first time you walk on stage to do stand-up, it's like, are you ready for your next comic? Okay, keep going for Cameron Esposito. And you're not Were you like you're di- not a comic. I mean like imposter, you, full you, imposter. You have been introduced this way. Like I guess they expect jokes, but you don't have jokes. Like you have the one thing you wrote and then you're just gonna kind of yeah. take up space and time. I guess with That's drag you start as a shitty drag queen. So for years right. you look rotted. And then you figure it out. And then you start figuring out how to look okay, and then you start figuring out how to perform okay, and then you start figuring out why do people like you? And that's really the direction you should channel because if nobody likes your dancing and everyone thinks you're funny, just go be funny. That'll be your thing. You know, like I think, at least for me, it was like by the time I arrived at being a comedian, I had been doing drag like eight years. So it was like, oh, I guess these are the same muscles. It's yeah. like when Michael Jordan switched to baseball. <laughs> well, I saw Michael Jordan play <laughs> baseball and he's like, not that Oh, great never at mind. It. <laughs> it's like when. But- um, I don't know. Didn't Tanya but Harding he came switch back. to boxing? But he came back. Michael Jordan then came back to basketball. So it's yeah. almost like when Michael Jordan came back to basketball yeah. from baseball. Yeah. Do you – Um. so when you started doing stand-up, like, oh, my God, these Tamagotchis. They got to go. I just – I mean, throw I'm, them in the hall. Throw them in the hall. No, it's fine. Sierra. Get them out of here. Sierra. <laughs> get the sitter. <laughs> I don't know how to turn them off. Give them to – give them to – yeah, you got it. Sierra just says to go Whatever. <laughs> So gay people don't have kids, and this is why. We have other things going on. Oh, I have so many follow-up questions. So many. But same with music, though. Same with anything. It's like you have full-on imposter syndrome until one day you forget that you were a pretender, and then you're doing it. You know? Well, you are very good, though, at – like, you and Katya have amazing chemistry. That's part of it. People are just watching you have a friendship. Yeah. And that's captivating, kind of regardless of – what else is happening? Like, you just have such good energy mm-hmm. with each other. But then you also have, like, punchy – how did you guys first meet? Is it – We met on Drag Race. We weren't That's even, it. You never knew each other before Drag we Race. We barely spoke on Drag Race. And then it was like we – um, 
after Drag Race, you know, I we both of us went home fairly somewhat middle, and we talked a lot on the phone, and we got close. And then I had the idea of like, oh, let's do this episode of um, this show called Fashion Photo Review, where we critique the looks of the hosts of that show. And then it was so funny, and people liked it. And then I said, I want to do a show. And World of Wonder said, what do you want it to be about? And I said, uh, we'll make the first episode deciding what it's about. And then we just we just ran with it. I mean, Katya says that show is successful because it's like, it's... It's funny, but you're also watching the development of a friendship because we didn't start close friends. Mm. You know, like 70 episodes in and then going into the TV show, we like became best friends over the show. So it was like, it was a wild thing. And then, you know, I had started stand up around like, because people started to like us from the YouTube series. And then it was like, oh, I could like start doing, assembling a full show now because people will come see me because of the YouTube series more than anything. Because, I mean, on Drag Race, you see, like, blips of people, but you don't really learn what they're good at. And it's everything, even as a drag queen, it's like fish out of water. Everyone's, well, like, okay, you're a share impersonator. Well, today you're decorating a boat and uh, (laughs) selling cherry pie gift certificates, and the runway theme is uh, a dead body. Sure. So you're never in your element either. It's like people on, do people on Last uh, Comic Standing or anything like that experience that? I mean, I think Last Comic Standing is totally bizarre, is a, is a totally bizarre experience because, well, maybe this is what Drag Race is like too. I don't know. You like, didn't do that show, like, did you? No, I never did. No. But um, stand-up is like, it almost is prohibitive of judging. Like there's like, there's no good way to be able to judge. Like what would you possibly judge people on? Because it's. Subjective. It's so subjective. subjective. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess you could put two queens next to each other, and like, there might be like some, like, irrefutable evidence that one of them has better makeup. Like, I guess that's true. Although it is also subjective on top of that. But for stand up, it's like, I think everybody that I know that was on that show, it's just a totally bizarre experience because you're being totally you're being judged on. Like, I guess what has been edited together from the stand-up that you really did. <laughs> yeah, and on TV, they also try, I'm sure they try to make your story. And it's like, like for me, I don't consider myself a, it's like on one hand, I don't want people to call me like a gay comedian. On the other hand, I'm so gay and I want everything to be gay and I want to talk about everything in a gay way. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Great. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm like, don't put me in a box, but also I don't want to talk about any of that. I only want to talk about gay things. Thank you so much. But I mean, well, so much of my people get what that is. You, I yeah. get what you're saying. I mean, 50% or more of my audience is women, almost all straight women. I would say it's 50% straight women, a quarter lesbians and a quarter like gay men. So at this point, it's weird to go from like, originally you perform for all your gay friends in gay bars. And now it's like, if there's gay guys at my show, I'm like, oh, hey. I don't know why that surprises the fuck out of me. I think it's because women are planners. Sure. That's true. I don't want to generalize, but like when if if you're a woman who likes Tricks and Mattel and the tickets go on sale, you're like, I don't know who's going. I'm just going to get five tickets just in case. Yes. No, you're – that's so different than like performing at a bar in West Hollywood where it's just like you're going to get a lot of tickets. Gay guys won't buy tickets because they're like, what if something better comes along? What if something cooler happens? And then they buy tickets last minute and they're staying by the bar. And I'm like, well, all these lovely young teenage girls bought tickets the morning of. I mean the first three rows of my shows is all like girls under 25 – in perfect, like, big, beautiful hair and makeup. Because it's a lot of women who like Trixie are also, like, hyper-feminine presenting. Yes, big that makes hair, sense. Makeup. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Or, I mean, I get everything, but um, a lot of lesbians. I mean, I, I, I never planned on having my audience be, like, all women. But it's actually really, like, I really love it. Do you do you have any idea why lesbians? Like, do you have, have, have you, I like, think, a thought on that? 
I think it's because young women, especially young women who are maybe like vibrating on a slightly different frequency, like gender-wise or what they're presenting or their sexuality, I think that me parodying like hyper-femininity makes them like, oh, okay, good. Like that's not what a woman is and she's making a joke of what people expect women to be. So I feel very comfortable with the woman I am. I just think young women especially are being bombarded by like, this is what a woman is. And I think a man dressed as, like, the most extreme plastic toy icon of femininity is, like, relaxing almost. (laughs) Don't you think? You're, like, taking a burden for all of us. I think you might be right. I mean, the the other thing that I would add to that, this is just, like, my own personal thought on it, is that it's – there are so many dudes that I don't know what they want from me. Like, straight men. Yeah. Being in the world, just being lesbian, being out in the world, I don't know what straight men want from me. Yeah. Constantly I'm in a conversation with somebody where like – and I have like really good dude friends, right? I, there are mostly fucking dudes that do my job. But like, right. you know, and But there's this moment where you're just like, ah, you're fighting this role that you have to fall into yeah. as a woman, even if you're a lesbian. Like you still – there's still like – I notice that my voice changes when I talk to like straight dudes. You know, like there's a whole thing like I do a different – Body posture. You do a and costume like change. You do a wig change. Exactly. Do, yeah. Lip color. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, full on, right? I was at a – So I know what I'm getting from you. Yeah. Which is just like a little bit more like I can actually kind of worship you. Like that feeling of like the – like yeah. you're the object. Um, On one hand, it's, it's like if, cool. if you love women, Trixie being this like frilly, glittery celebration of everything super girly is yeah. fun. On the other hand, it's making fun of it. And so it also, I think, permits, like, any expression is chill. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And no story of Trixie Mattel. None of my stand-up and none of my music is ever about me being the winner or the person who knows anything or the person who, like, succeeded. It's always about, I'm the butt of the joke, and this is what I learned, and this is how I sucked, you know? And I think, especially for young kids, it's just like— Totally. Right. I mean, I also think it's, like, a truly a safe— a safer guy for girls too that's what i'm saying you know like it's like because i don't know i don't there's not going to be a situation where um well you're not patrolling your own masculinity and so many situations where women feel unsafe is when a dude is like self-patrolling like and so then he like is ramping up his masculinity and it and it fucking sucks and you can watch it happening in front of you so if you're out there just being like no this is what i'm doing that's that's relaxing too yeah like watching you Kind of give over your power. Does that make any sense? No, it does. I have a follow-up question, which is, do you know Justin Martindale? Yes. Okay. So one time I went with him to a show, and I was walking to see him at the comedy store. Mm -hmm. I was walking with him to see him, and it occurred to me, he was walking to his job where he was going to perform and leave, and he doesn't have to get dressed up. (laughs) I know. Mind blown. I want to know what the hell do you wear on stage if it's not like drag? <laughs> Isn't well, that it is more drag. scary? Yeah, I mean, I, maybe. Because then you're being judged for you and your face and oh your my body. God. No, that's true. In drag, at least if you bomb, you're like, that was another person. Bye. Oh, is that how it feels? Yes. Oof. Oh my god. Get oh, away with that's murder. Amazing. Wait. So when you t- when does the like when you take her off? Like, is it like what what feels like you're not Trixie anymore? Is it makeup? Is it um, like padding, like when do you feel like you're you again? Um, I mean, I think uh, out of drag, I'm just less friendly, but I'm pretty much the same person. Mm-hmm. Whereas people like Ben LaCreme sort of turn into another human. Sure. I pretty much am the same. I think I'm just a little more like over it in drag and a little more like I don't trust a drag queen who's like happy to be here. 
<laughs> sure. Have you ever been to a drag show where the person's like happy to be there? It's like eerie. It's like Stepford Wives. I don't know if I have actually. I don't know if I've ever seen that. I want the drag queen who's like stumbling in hungover. Like, all right, it's your birthday. Great. Oh my God. I was at a show the other night in Buffalo, New York. Last night. Oh, I went to a club last night. And this drag queen goes, oh, it's her birthday. Clap, clap, clap. And she had the most intense Midwest <laughs> accent. Clap, clap, clap. And I was like, that's, that's the kind perfect. of drag queen I want. I want yeah. somebody fucking over it. And I guess I guess for me, when I'm in full Trixie fantasy, I feel that the whole Barbie body shape and the pink and blonde colors, I think it like makes the audience warm up to me faster. Whereas I feel like if you mm. were a comedian out of drag, you have to actually win them over. Yeah, when you're I guess in drag, you, you win them over immediately. Yeah, I mean, that's... Right. I never thought of of that. It must be be what it's like to be a really hot girl or a super hot guy. I know. Can you even imagine? No! If you just walk on stage with your actual human face and everybody there immediately trusts you. Because I know know only a few comics who are like in that category of hot. Like so hot. But do you know what it happens? It comes around the other way. Because then people don't trust you. Yes. Because you're uh, too hot. um, uh, What's her name? Glazer? Yeah. So pretty. And if she didn't start with jokes that, like, make her look a douchebag, people would be like, whatever. She, it's a real problem. Especially women. God forbid you do your hair and look beautiful on stage. They're like, she's a It's totally – it's, it's a whole line that you have to ride. But, like, in terms of what do I wear on stage, I mean, I'm very specific about what, I'm, what I choose to wear on stage. I'm always fucking hot because I wear, like, black leather on stage. I wear, like, yeah, motorcycle do. jackets. It's fucking hot as hell. How hot are you in that Oh, outfit? I wish I was dead. Yeah, it's so oh, – I can't drag even is imagine. Garbage. It's, drag is garbage. I'm in a corset. I can't even. Playing a guitar. I don't even know how to. How long does it take you to put your makeup on? Like an hour and a half, two hours. Okay, and then on top of that, like, does that include putting on the outfit? The makeup's like an hour and a half, and then the hair and everything else is going to be like another thirty minutes. Mm -hmm. Because um, it's it's absolutely stupid. It's completely stupid. But it's sort of like um. Business-wise, it sort of makes me think like, all right, if Sally down the street's going to tell funny jokes, I'm going to tell funny jokes in taller shoes with nicer hair while playing a guitar. You know what I mean? It's hard to beat that. Like, you're making it legitimately difficult for me to do my job. (laughs) (laughs) You'll come out in stilts with a blonde ponytail. Hey, guys. Look, I fucking have to, okay? Um, I'm doing the best I can. I also think, though, that as a comedian, as as a white guy, a bald white guy, first of all, when a bald white guy picks up a guitar, the audience tunes out. Second of all, as a tall, bald, shaved-headed white guy, my political, like, anything is limited. I'm not allowed to say anything. Because as a white man, I'm not ever, like, besides being gay, I'm not enough of, like, a underdog, I guess. Whereas I think in drag, the whole audience is rooting for you because they're like, all right, this person is comfortable being the butt of the joke right now. Yeah. And I think you dress up. And a lot of things, especially men in comedy, they don't dress up at all. And I've always found that really disrespectful. Like, I love, like, John Mulaney suit. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me, too. Women, it's like there's always a little fantasy. It's a thought-out look. And men, I just think it's too permitted that it's, like, T-shirts and it's, like, Basically, what you're telling your audience is, like, I didn't prepare much for you. I was also going to say, I wonder if, like, all that time that you have, I mean, are you— you're like doing a ritual that also gets you so ready for stage. Yeah. So those folks that you're talking about that like throw on a tee and like a hoodie and then are going out there, to me that's another part of it that I don't fully understand is just like the the sort of um, like how are you ready to be out there? How are you like in the right frame of mind? Well, I think drag too, the, the, the discomfort and the pain 
puts you in that headspace. Like mm-hmm. Jinx Monsoon told me, unless she has that corset on, she doesn't feel like Jinx. For me, unless I have the lashes on, it's that the lash that gives me like that, like the Trixie makeup has that sort of closed eye look. That sort of to me is like the you want to feel like the only bitch when you walk out on stage. Do you feel like the only bitch? Oh, or do yeah, you have, but do, or do you have to for wait? like a different reason. <laughs> yes, you're like I, I just do. feel like a bitch. No, I feel like <laughs> I feel like ugh, I don't know. Somewhere deep inside of me, I think I have like something to say. Like like that's what I, I'll never lose that my entire life. That's why I'm walking out on stage. I'm just like oh well, they haven't heard it from me. And by the way, if you do stand up and you're a tiny lesbian that's like politically motivated, it turns out like most other comics aren't saying the same stuff that you are. So no I'm, kidding, I constantly get that in my brain. Like the feedback of like yeah, like you're supposed to be here and you know that'll keep me going but i don't know that i feel the way you feel the only bitch well i I think that like drag for me ends up being such a like the look does so much of the work i can't imagine having to walk out there like this and having to win an audience over because by the time people were coming to see me do stand-up they already knew my name and they already knew what they were in for so i didn't have to like so when i read books about comedians and how they started i'm like Bullets were dodged. Like, it sounds horrible. People are like, I used to go to multiple clubs for no money, bomb back to back to back. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Well, you'll figure. Here's the thing, though, is that, like, I don't know. I mean, yes, you're right. Were you ever garbage? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Friend. (laughs) What's the biggest crowd you've ever, like, eaten shit in front of? Do you have a number? Oh, uh, you mean actually fell? No, I mean like oh, like bombed, bombed. Um, to be honest, uh, I will bomb sometimes if I get put in the wrong thing. Like, um, like my comedy is sort of like you have to you have to listen to it. Yeah. Whereas I think a lot of drag queens they deliver a type of comedy that can be yelled and delivered to even like drunk people. Sure, right. Whereas for me, you kind of need to hear point A to get to point B. And I'm playing, like, an acoustic guitar. So if it's, like, a standing room where people are loud, they're like, what the fuck is this Janice from the Muppets up here totally. trying to talk about traffic or whatever? So I would say maybe – oh, I mean, the biggest bomb of my life was Snatch Game on Drag Race. Oh. I, I mean, bombed as okay. RuPaul in yeah. front of RuPaul. I, I saw this. I don't, I don't <laughs> feel like – yeah, okay, yes. That was the worst. Okay. No, that sounds – that sounds <laughs> yeah. – He's already scary. I – and bombing Can't as him in front of him even. on his show is worse. And you've survived it. I survived. That's Because that's the thing that I was going to say is all of that stuff sucked. But, like, you become so fucking – I don't know. It just does something to you. Like, I am – I'm not bulletproof. But, like, that's the thing comics say. You're, you're trying to get bulletproof. Like, that's what you're trying to do is you can um, – just basically like never bomb because you have been in every situation and you know all the ways that it sucks and you know everything that's going to happen. Like I'll tell you my number, biggest number of people I've ever bombed in front of, 30,000. No, where? Yes. Did you rush the stage at Lilith Fair? <laughs> no, but it was actually the same fucking venue. Oh, I went, no. So like that was in Chicago when I was a kid and I got to play that venue – um, for this tour that like Funny or Die sponsored a couple years ago. And we're doing all these outdoor amphitheaters and some of them went really, really well. And then that particular one, which is also the first place I ever saw Beyonce. 
Like I, w- I was like walking around to that stage like I can't believe I'm going to walk on stage the first place I ever saw Beyonce perform with Destiny's Child when I was 16 and she was 16 and Be- Destiny's Child had four members. I'm walking out there with all of this in my head and I just ate shit. I just ate shit. There's a jumbotron of me next to me. So I'm looking at me being like like, no. like aware of You're how like, badly it's all going. You're like I shouldn't have wore the jacket. Yeah, exactly. Shouldn't have wore the bomber jacket. Exactly. Like it just didn't go well. Uh so yeah, but like the thing is, I walked off stage, obviously like just like, oh my God. I mean, it was like physically painful, but then I did stand up again. And then, you know? you, I, and then you're like, oh my God, I didn't die. We always say like, at least in drag, it always feels like you're only as good as your last show. Of course. So like in summer, I always do Provincetown in the summer, and that's where I take my new jokes, my new hour of jokes, and I all summer workshop them every night. I have five nights a week, new audience every night. And I'll, every night, it's all the drag queens in town. You know, we see each other at the bar, and it's like, if somebody's not at the bar, it's usually because they're at home because they had a bad show. And it's weird night to night. I mean, the room ch- – and at least for drag queens, we all come from screaming in front of drunk people. So at least I think we come with a little bit like – labor-saving attachments of, like, how to deal with drunks or how to deal with hecklers. Yeah. Also, no one's going to fuck with drag queens, I think, too, as you just get this. We're tall and scary. Do you not get fucked with? No. People at the show are there to see me, usually. If anything, they think it's cute to add their own jokes. Mm, like at, jo- at shows lately, people have just been yelling the word Vanjie, which I'm like, uh, fun, but, like, not but no, in the middle of yeah, everything. No, not, not, yeah, fun, not... Or they'll start yelling, oh, honey. Just And I'm like, that's right. really fun. But like, we, so now, usually I'll take on the beginning of the show, I'm like, we're going to get a few things out of the way. We're going to do an oh, honey. We're going to do a banshee. <laughs> that's the way to deal with it. Truly. Yeah. yeah. No, Everybody that's, gets that's, their moment. That's genius. And I hate, um, I don't know if this ever happens to you. If you have real fans who come to see you, they've sometimes creeped your jokes on YouTube from mm. a live performance. Sure. And then they'll come to the show and verbally say the joke as you say it. Oh, my God. That happens to me because a lot of my super fans will like record it and put it on YouTube. And then they'll watch it. And then when they come to the show, they'll say the punchline as I say it. That is a living nightmare. And I want to <laughs> full-on like ballpoint pen dream. in my fucking throat. <laughs> I'm like, and then, I, of course, I have to, in full drag, shut down one of my clearly super fans. Oh, my God. And you can't. And that's the worst position like, to ever you, be in. I love you, but don't say my fucking. I always say this is pretty bad. I always say I don't come to your house and let your dad fuck me. But, like, in drag, you can get away with stuff like that. You can that. get away with it. Imagine if I said that. Looking like this. I mean, you just did say it, and I was I was pretty enthralled. It was a lot of yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I always think about doing comedy, especially doing music out of drag. I feel like it's so much harder because it's just— but you're, Like, if you bombed and you went to Gelson's tomorrow, someone would be like, oh, that's the girl that bombed. <laughs> Whereas if I bombed, it would be like, nobody knows. Well, we've never seen her since. Right. She's totally changed her makeup, and we don't know who she is. <laughs> yeah. She, she goes by— uh, yeah. She just has, like, a really subtle eye now. Yeah. She just used to have, like, a real big eye. Totally. Today's episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes with pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. You can choose from three plans, including classic, veggie, and family. Each box is delivered right to your door in recyclable, insulated packaging and made up of fresh, responsibly obtained ingredients from carefully selected farms and high-rated trusted sources. Plus, the simple recipes come outlined by pictured step-by-step instruction cards so you can feel confident in what you're cooking. I tried HelloFresh. They sent me some some food, and, like, number one, the recipes were delicious. Number two, I'm a vegetarian, and that can be difficult when you're going with some of these 
meal delivery services or just like recipes in general because you can get really blocked into eating the same foods again and again because you know what's vegetarian friendly. That was what was so fun about trying HelloFresh at my house was that I got to try new recipes that were vegetarian but things I hadn't thought of before. So Rhea and I loved it and you can go check it out. Visit HelloFresh.com slash Query30 and enter the code Query30 for $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. That's HelloFresh.com Query30 and enter the code Query30 for $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. You, when did you start going to Provincetown and doing shows there? Two years ago. Okay. I had finished season seven and we started doing the YouTube series and I was like, all right, I want to start doing stand-up with my music kind of put together. And um, my manager was like, I think you should go to P-Town. It's small venues, cabaret style, and you can get work out your kinks basically. And it was like boot camp. My first summer there was my first like, okay, my first stand-up show I ever wrote. I previewed it in Germany. Why? Because if I was going to bomb that hard... I wanted to bomb somewhere where no one would hear about it, and I could blame it on the language barrier. <laughs> so I was in Germany performing for like 100 people. And then I tried it again. The second attempt was in uh, Vancouver. <laughs> We're getting closer to the U.S. Yeah, yeah, sure. And then finally I started doing the show. So my first year doing stand-up, I had my first hour-long show, and I did it every night, five nights a week. So I did 55 shows in two and a half months. I don't even understand, though. Are you telling me, like, you basically, you, so you've never done stand-up, and then you're just writing an hour show? Like, you're writing it and going on and doing, like, a full hour? Yes. Right, like, beginning? Yes. Like, first time you're on stage, yeah. one 60-minute set. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Baptism by fire. That is nuts. I know. I That's know. nuts. I know. How did you even figure out, like, what I don't what know any comedians. Jokes I didn't know any comedians. Were, I've ne- That's... Totally. We, now we know each other. So yeah. in future, but I if you ever need anyone. to, if you ever need to just, just do two hours for, yeah. <laughs> without ever having, I don't know how it's done. I mean, I'm only learning about like how real comedians work through like, you know, reading people's biographies. Cause like in Jurek world, like I said, Katya and I kind of fell in this trap door and now we do comedy without ever having to like, I mean, in a lot of ways we didn't have to like traditionally like Cut your cut our teeth in the comedy. I mean, world? it's like, but the thing is also that the traditional way of cutting your teeth is is. I'm actually happy for you on that because I will say that that is, it's like a process that's also passed down from straight white cis dudes. Like it really it is because even the process, which is like it's a patriarchy, go out every night. Do five shows. It like here's like here's the things it implies. Um, that like. For instance, you don't have to worry about childcare because it's like, why do you think so many dudes are like, my wife sucks? It's like, because your wife is at home taking care of your fucking kids oh, yeah. so that you can be here doing these shows tonight. Like yeah. that, that whole system is really built on like kind of, and also like dudes that kind of want to, like that old school mentality that built stand up, which is like, I'm out here trying to fuck. Like I'm out here on the road trying to like hook up with random strangers, which by the way, like women kind of can't do because it's like. Oh, drag queens like too. But the, this guy, it's just like not super safe. You can't be like in a random city and go by yourself home with like a random fan if you're I, a I woman. Can't. I never have. You never have. Can't do it. Yeah, to me it sounds like I don't I like know people drag queens who know me do. from. Work. I don't understand. Well, it's it's problem too because we're gay famous and we have these things called race chasers, people who want to mm-hmm. sleep with drag race queens. I mean, I have a boyfriend, but when I you know when I travel single, it just doesn't happen because I'm like it's not worth it. It wears me out. 
Are they like trying to collect them all, like like a like a Pokemon type no, of thing? No, it's like they're attra- it's like it would be as if they were attracted to you because your sister was Ariana Grande. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like not. Yes. No, but it, that didn't mean about Frankie Grande. No, I know, but it's like, just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. No, that doesn't feel real. And I also feel like the universe and like YouTube and television has also like usurped the idea of having to climb ladders and make sure people like you and book you because you could have a show on YouTube that turns into a television show like mine or you could have you guys were on what network and then it went to iTunes we were on CISO then it went to iTunes now it's on Stars. right like who fucking knows right you can we all falling through trapdoors then you're like, like oh I have a show on Stars. I guess I don't know yeah. that's very strange like, like Gigi also, Gorgeous like, what even is that yes Exactly. I mean, I think that something that's happening is that all of these systems are being broken. Uh huh. And I mean, like, honestly, you probably would have been like shut out of that system because of what oh. you're trying to do. It's not like as a queen. I mean, literally, how could you have done five shows a night, seven nights a week, like taking the subway? Um, I'm not saying that I know they some do. queens do that in it's New York. Crazy. But well, like, they wear those little bus driver wigs. Wait, the little like the short and sassies, yeah, you know, like yeah, the Monet yeah. exchange yeah, yeah, yeah. that like you know, like the short to the hair with the bang that goes like whoosh, That's how you do it? That sassy bang. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have those hairs, but No, I I used I, to have one bowl cut on Drag Race with that one bowl cut. Oh, I like that. And one. I called it my car hair. And when Kachi and I would do press tours, that was what I would wear in the car because I would have these big Trixie hair that would just like they wouldn't can't sit in a car you like You can't that. fit in a car. Can't fit in a car. No, yeah, you can't. Can't fit in a car. Ugh. Do, do you ever can I can I ask you like a personal human question? Yeah. Can you answer personal human questions? Yeah, of course. How did you meet your boyfriend? Oh, Tinder. Um, it's like Candy Crush. No, I mean I know what Tinder is, but like, <laughs> like first time you met, you like we met on Tinder, and knew I was each other just was like, rad? I was like, hi, I'm a person. Would you like to you know go out and we went up, and I always do this thing where I always lie about what I do for a living too because I never know. How yeah, they're you gonna... should. That's no, you're right. You should do so that first. So everybody lie to everyone. At first, I say I'm a musician and a comedian. That's not a lie. It's a half truth. And then I sort of add the layer of like, this is what it is. But in gay world, most people either say it right away or they know it and they're waiting for me to say it. In that case, he was like, I know what you do. I just didn't want to. I wanted you to say it however you wanted to say it because it seemed like you were hiding it. Well, that's cool and respectful. People are weird about it. And I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it sometimes. You know, it is a weird, it's a weird career to present to someone's mom and dad too. I think it's funny that you use comedian because, you know, like comics. You don't, you say comics. Yeah. I say oh, comedian. no, not that, just that. I mean that we don't say what we do. That's like the ultimate thing. Comedians don't say what we do. Because oh, if yeah. you're like on a plane or whatever, somebody says, what do you do? You're like, I'm an accountant or something. Oh, because gr- if you say, I'm a comedian, I'm gonna change then your life. you have to tell jokes. <laughs> I'm going to change your life. I tell people I work in HR because yes. no one knows what no it is one, and no one asks. No one gives a No shit. one asks. And one time I was on a taxi and they said, what do you do? And I said, I'm a dry queen. And the guy said, dry cleaning? And I was like, yep. yep. That's it. I own a family Perfect. dry cleaning business. Or I, you know, I travel all over the fucking world with a guitar at the airport. That's like having a puppy. Everybody wants to talk about your, like, and everybody's always like, God, you play guitar, huh? And I'm like. Just a little. It's a hobby. Uh, yeah. I'm always like, no, I don't. But I always want to learn. Did you know they don't make dog coffins? <laughs> That's usually what I'll say. <laughs> it's a weird thing to like. I don't, I, don't like to, I don't like to talk to. I like to talk to you. Yeah. But in the world, I'm not looking to make friends at the airport. Of course. Nobody's looking to make friends at the airport. Some people fucking are. Oh, actually, you know what? You're right. I said that, and I saw the look in your eyes, and then I was like, no, you're right. Today on the plane, on the way here, this lady, they said in the announcement, like, if you look out the left window, there's a Grand Canyon. The lady next to me nudged me and goes, 
It's the Grand Canyon. <laughs> I'm like, yes, we all heard. Can I tell you, recently I was leaving a plane and a person behind me said, oh, I love your shirt. I love your shirt. Where did you get your shirt? They just, and you know what I did? I just walked away <laughs> and pretended that I couldn't hear them. I had no headphones on. I was just definitely was a full right in front of them just being like, I don't want to tell you where I got my fucking shirt, man. Like, we're exiting the plane. Like, this is the end of the thing. That person was probably like, have I been a ghost the whole movie? Like, Bruce Willis. I swear <laughs> to God. It was, like, <laughs> it was a dude who then struck up a conversation with the dude next to him. I could hear them being like, oh, like I shouldn't want to talk about her shirt. And then they became friends about how I didn't want to talk about my shirt. But I didn't. I really didn't. Do you get recognized everywhere? Uh, no, but I do get recognized some places. Do you get recognized everywhere? I can't go anywhere like, you know, gay bars, the Apple Store, Forever 21, Sephora, Mac, anything gay or gay adjacent. I, I am full oh on Oh my Beyonce. God. Yeah. Rio wanted me to ask you because your, your shirts are in Spencer's. Yeah. And Hot Topic. I I'm in Hot Topic now. I, I have a Funko like, Pop doll at Hot Topic right now. Oh Stupid. my God. Like growing up, did you go to the, did you go to those places? Oh yeah. I used to go there and buy like, you know, my Green Day sweatband when I was learning guitar. You know, I loved, like, American Idiot. I loved, like, you know, that that album. I would wear my stupid little band shirts. It's, to go there now, I mean, I've seen, I've fully been at the mall and seen my shirt in the window. And I'm like, it's an imposter syndrome thing. I'm like, I've tricked them all. Or the doll. To have a Trixie doll, I was like, this isn't real. And yeah, right now there's Spencer's ones. There's Trixie and Katya ones. And then there's brand new Trixie ones. Hot Topic has new ones of just my new album art. Just album art shirts at Hot Topic. What? That to me feels like it's a whole other. It's crazy, and you know, I've, I I put the baby to bed. The idea of being a professional musician in college because they were, all my teachers were like, "You're not good enough." They were just like, "You're you need to change majors. It's not really your thing." And it, you were studying music, yeah. But it was a public school, so they're not going to kick me out. But they're like, "It's not really for you. You should think about something else." And then right before Drag Race, I walked down the street and auditioned to play guitar at the Potbelly Sandwiches by my house, and they were like, "Not at this time." So it was just like the universe was like, girl, it's not you. So it's so funny to have that happening now. It's like, all right. You know, you seem to be like kind of a business genius and like definitely work really hard. Only to say sometimes it feels like you need to – I mean, I don't know. This is sometimes I feel like I need to hear people be like, hey, good job. Like I see how hard you've worked. Because you're you're saying like that it all seems so wild and I will say from an outsider's perspective like – this clearly is what you're meant to do. Oh, it is wild, but at the same time, it's like, it, it's show business. Yeah. And like, even the Trixie thing, I love Barbie, but in college we learned like, okay, the most successful mu- uh, musical in our lifetime will probably be Wicked. Why? Because it preys on America's nostalgia with The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. So when I was designing this character, I was like, well, who, what does everyone know is Barbie? Everybody loves Barbie. I love Barbie. And if I walk out in blonde hair and pink, I can win over the audience with like warm fuzzies, like right away. And it turned out to be a great, like, business choice because it's like a Warhol thing where you parody something very iconic and then it has its own. Like the Marilyn painting, the Warhol print, is separate from Marilyn. It's a different thing. That's right. And Mattel knows about me and they haven't tried to sue me. They came to DragCon and they brought me a bunch of a bunch of vintage Barbies and they were like, What? Come by for a tour. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, like, that's so you, so you did it then. I guess if I Mattel did it. itself is like, honestly, we're not going to sue you, but instead if you'd like a tour. <laughs> yeah. Are you pro Barbie? Um, you know, Barbie was really important to me as a kid, but for different reasons. I collected Ken's. 
Oh, fascinating. That's fucking real and That's true. That's some dyke shit. They also didn't have that many Kens. So I had no. multiples of the same Ken because sometimes their face would be printed just a little bit differently. Like they'd have like a like a splotch. And I would be like, well, this is the one with the mole. And here's his brother who has no mole. <laughs> I like, like also I remember when they started making um, like black Kens with like a certain afro oh, that yeah. I hadn't seen before. And I like asked for that for Christmas. And there's a – there's a – Christmas video that I've seen since where I'm like nine, I tear open a box and I turn to the camera. I'm like, black Ken, like <laughs> losing it, like cackling, yes. falling on my back. I loved Ken's because that's who, so my sister collected Barbies and that's who like got to date Barbie. Also when they introduced, um, I think his name is Kevin, which is like the younger Ken. There's like a younger Ken that definitely looks like like, I think how I wanted to look, like, straight up just, like, looks like a lesbian. Like, Word. isn't as, like, bulky, like, is, like, thinner and stuff. So, like, doesn't Does she have, have a, side, a side mullet? Like, no. But she has, Dang like, it. like for sure, like, straight up. When they did the new Kens, I took photos, just went into my closet. I'm going to send these. I just went into my closet and found identical outfits to every single new Ken that they, like, released last year. He's a good look. Yeah. I had all of the – I literally even had, like – there's one that has, like, a man bun. I had – if I put my hair up, I had the same haircut as him. Like, I don't even – It's a brilliant company. And I guess to me, too, like, the Barbie and Ken together – I mean, it's the same way, like, you know, my album's in and out of drag. Barbie and Ken together, it's just, it always has represented, like, you know, people always talk about Barbie maybe having a negative impact on a young woman's mind. It's like, well, a Ken could have a similarly negative one. But to me, Barbie's always represented what's possible. Like, it was oh, the first woman really on the moon. She was the first female president. She was the, like, and then, like, when women joined the, like, um, corporate world, they started making Barbies with briefcase stuff to reflect that. And I guess... I think of, besides the body stuff, I think of the way that, like, maybe it made young people feel like, I mean, even as a young man who wasn't allowed to have Barbie, she made me feel like things were possible. I was going to ask, that was my next question, were you allowed to have I Barbies? I wasn't. Because I feel like dudes are so patrolled on yeah. that that I could really imagine that, yeah, most people I, I could be. sometimes get a McDonald's girl toy. Uh-huh. But, like, I wasn't allowed to have Barbies or any, or My Little Ponies or Cabbage Patch, you know. And that's when I was creating Trixie, I wanted, like, you know, the hair of My Little Pony. I wanted, like, the proportions of Polly Pocket and, like, the skin of Barbie. I wanted, like, you know. I always tell my mom, if you'd have bought me the styling head, we could have, like, avoided I could have been a real estate this. agent. Could have avoided all of yeah. this. But that feels really huge that you weren't allowed to have this, and now they're yeah. delivered to you. It's And then, like, to win, you know, to win Drag Race dressed up as this thing, it's, like. It's incredible. It's cool. Yeah, I took back cool. the night. That's right. You took back the night. You took back the plastic, all of it. You took yeah. back the whole thing. Packaging, yeah. perfect. Yeah. I was allowed to have Ken's. I still have some of those Ken's, and I wish— I was allowed to have Ken. I was allowed to have Barbie. Isn't that fascinating? If you think your no, son's that makes gay, perfect sense. don't buy him a muscly doll whose clothes come off, by the way. Right. Well, that's like just none of us understanding how any of this works. Do you believe in gendered bathrooms? Um— I don't know that— On one hand, I don't want women to feel unsafe. On the other hand, I'm like, I feel like it's embarrassing that as humans, we still— ha we can't count on someone not watching us pee. Oh, but yeah. also, gay I people exist. Like... So, like, if someone's trying to look at your dick, yeah. they could still be in the men's room. Right. I mean, literally, the only reason that I had any sort of a pause at all is just, like, dudes, dudes are sometimes gross. Oh. In the bathroom. Dudes are sometimes gross in the bathroom. Oh, the women's rooms aren't always nicer. 
So I used the women's one at Earwolf yeah, today. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, but like I don't have um if we just if we just changed that, if it was just like immediately everything was all gender restrooms, we would not give a shit like in a year. You know what I mean? Like it would take yeah. like Do you think women feel do women feel very unsafe around men who are peeing? I don't think so. I, I have been to you know how like in if you go to some like hip place in New York or something, they'll just be like one communal giant thing. Like that is supposed to convey like this is a very like, oh, what a fancy spot. Like we're Or just do all at- stalls and then do yeah. communal hand washing. Totally. Like, Who cares? What does it matter? I don't know. The one place that I can think of it being an issue is like sports stadiums. Let's think about that. Because also Future. kids exist. People bring kids of all genders in and out of – it just seems dumb. I know. It seems tired. What do you – if you're in drag – I use women's. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Always. Fuck yeah. Women think I'm cool in a restroom. Men think I'm not cool in a restroom. I'm the opposite <laughs> oh, of cool. Oh, that's right. Like, and I'm literally definitely not going to use the like urinal. Literally a safety issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, well, because you also have to put on all your tights. You've got a lot of stuff that you have to unfurl. And I won't, I was on a press tour and I believed that I had, I sat down to pee and drag and I believed that my penis was in the toilet. <laughs> and I was 95% done letting out about 65 quarts of urine <laughs> when I looked down and realized I had peed all down my tights and there was a puddle my arm span of pee around me and I'm in drag and I have to go do press and this was recently Yeah, and then I mean, I'm in full drag <laughs> I'm in full fucking drag and then I grab toilet paper and it's a public restroom so I'm like nobody can come in here and find me covered in pee so then I'm in drag with toilet paper and paper towel rubbing the ground and then I'm like well that's more incriminating what if they come in here and find me in drag cleaning up pee and then I'm supposed to say it's not mine I'm just like doing a good service no this is just what I got I put all this on because this is how I like to clean yeah bathrooms I don't I don't so I ran out and and the first person I saw who worked walked who was in there I said I tried to use the women's room but it seems like there was like a water problem plumbing problem so I didn't admit to it, but I did tip them off. I felt really That was bad. good. No, that was good of you to do that. I mean, that answers a lot of my questions. No, it doesn't answer any of my questions. That <laughs> seems like the most difficult thing in the world is to pee. I think about that all the time when I watch. In drag? Oh. I don't understand what you're doing. People pee their pants in drag all the you time. You have to, right? Bob the Drag Queen. There's a video of Bob the Drag Queen peeing his pants on stage. <laughs> you, how? He was in a gown doing a roast, and he walked away from the stage, and you can see his gown trail pee. <laughs> Pheromone, it just I, seems impossible not to. It's like common knowledge that uh, Pheromone had a little, like, she's like the story on Drag Race that they tell you of like, well, Pheromone, one time on the runway, she just couldn't wait. And of course, she's one of those girls who's probably wearing nothing but tape. I don't know. I just. Well, the good news is the gowns are beautiful, regardless of how they smell. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter do if they're Do you love your, drag? I love drag, yeah. You do? I do. I think it's pretty beautiful. Also, like, I will admit there's some, like, little boy in me, like, some, like, kid. I, honestly, the first time I saw it, well, I asked, when I asked you about Provincetown, I went there when I was a kid with my family, and it was really? very strange because my aunt and uncle live outside of Provincetown in a small— Did they know it was gay? They knew it was gay, but um, my uncle's, like, British, so they were always, like— tr- like cool, like they were they were the first people I ever saw were Doc Martens, and they both have like right. Joan Jett dyed black hair, oh, sort of a cool. thing, and they're hairdressers and stuff. So they took my family there. My parents are really conservative, and my grandfather, who's like from Ohio and had 
and chewed tobacco and had like a gun that he would have in his boot. Like this family, they're like, it's an artist colony. You're from Illinois. I'm from Illinois. I'm from Wisconsin. Yeah, we're from neighboring states. Yes. That family showed up in a queen, like exited a shop right in front of us with just, I think the share like turn back time look. I mean, she, I remember her ass cheeks. (laughs) Provincetown is so fucking weird. Tiny little Dutch village on Cape Cod. Yeah. I think it's Dutch, like originally. And it's just, it's odd. It's a, it's a great place to workshop new jokes because it's rich gays on vacation. And if it's not funny, they're not going to laugh at it. And so it's sort of like, it's baptism by fire every night. It's it's a fucking cowboy corral. <laughs> also, one time I, I performed there, but didn't realize that it was, like, this was a bad Did looking. you do Lesbian Week? This wasn't, <laughs> no, I was booked somehow during Family Twink Week. week. <laughs> not tw- you know we call that Tweak Week. Is that true? Because it's the twinks who come from New York to oh, do drugs. Look, I'm just going to say, not a lot of people came to see this lesbian do stand-up that week. Which, I don't blame them. And I'm going to say this. for I've been there for lesbian weeks in Provincetown. The lesbians don't go to province. Don't go to lesbian week. Yeah. Why don't lesbians show out for things? Is um, that a thing? Well, I think younger we do, but I think older it was like everybody kind of moved to the suburbs. Everyone's and grown. Had kids. Like, I think the gay the guys older are the ones genera- clinging to youth, like, circuit well, party. I'm yeah, 50. exactly. They're like, we all live in the city. We all don't have kids. We're all, you know, dinks or whatever. And then the lesbians were like, honestly, we had kids from before we were lesbians. And now we're blah, blah, blah. You know, that right. whole thing. Um, but I think it's that. Now our kids have kids. But I will say that when I went back a couple years ago, I went up to Varla Jean Merman after a show and just went like, I love you so much. If you're ever looking for a job, like, I just didn't even know what to say to her. I just got sweaty. So, yeah. I so, have you, a, you assumed she was unemployed? That was your I compliment? I assumed she was unemployed <laughs> to her face. It was humiliating. Afterwards, I realized what I said. And I mean, literally, my friends were like, you just insulted her to her face. And I was like, I meant to tell her she's beautiful. Did you see her show? Yeah. She is so funny. And just an amazing singer. Amazing singer, great costumes, great concepts, great jokes. I mean, come on, like yeah. win, win, win. She yeah. like she sort of invented the drag queen one woman show as we know it. She really like invented it. Yeah. So I mean, like that's what's hard about Provincetown is like no matter who you are, what TV show you won, down the street there's actual like drag queen legends, legends. doing something you're doing for longer <laughs> and funnier, <laughs> like better. Like everybody's so good. I mean, well, Dina Martina, like Mrs. Oh, Richfield. Yeah. You see I've, Dina Martina? I've seen all the, and Mrs. Richfield, like I've seen all, because I, I mean, I just have been there to do shows and it turns out nobody wants to come see me. So I would just be like going to the Queens shows. We get a lot of uh, female comics, specifically lesbian female comics. Mm. Judy Gold. Yeah. Uh, Kate something. Nope. Clinton. Clinton. Mm-hmm. Kate Clinton. Um, Judy Gold, I was listening to her album. I don't, one of her albums was recorded at, in Provincetown at one of the small theaters. At the theater I was performing at. I was listening to the comedy album, and then she was talking about the layout of the theater, and I was like, That's really wait funny. a minute. <laughs> I'm in that bathroom right now. Yeah. Well, it it turns out that, like, I think younger folks don't, that, like, younger, like, queer folks, non-binary folks, like, lesbian folks, don't necessarily know about Provincetown or go. And so I will just say, like, on the podcast, if you've never been, you should fucking go. It's cool and weird and, like, it's the weird. end of the earth and you can't believe that it exists. And basically you're about to fall into the sea. It's like you couldn't fall, you couldn't go further in, in, onto the East Coast or you're just straight up in the yeah. ocean. Disgusting old, like, warped floors, the oldest buildings. It's just a scene, man. My summer apartment I had there, it was $6,500 for the summer my first year. And it was, like, one room, warped floors, no air conditioning, no Wi-Fi, no fridge. 
And the shower and the toilet were in the kitchen with the sink and the oven. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Because was, it was my first summer. I was like, what if I bomb? Well, I can't spend that much money. I'm scared. So I, I like, fully lived with spiders with, like, a door, a front door that didn't lock. Well, look, you're killing it now. Okay. You, you peed in your own kitchen <laughs> all over your own pants. Yes, and God. And look at where you are now. Yes, God. Hey, you're a total gem. Oh, I'm going to let you. you go live the rest of your life. Thank and before you. you go, I want to ask you one thing. Can you – this is a thing. I didn't even warn you of this. I always warn everybody. But at the end of the show, we have people shout out a queero, which is just like a person that made you feel comfortable or strong being the person you oh, are. God. It could be a place or a thing. Maybe it's Barbie. Are I don't they know. gay? Mm, they don't have to be. Just somebody that like made you feel rad. Oh, do I have to have met them in real life or can they just no. be fictional? Yes, they can be anything. Okay, do you know who June Carter Cash is? Yes. Okay, so she's Johnny, you know, Johnny Cash's wife. But she's like the heir to the Carter family throne that basically created Americana music, right? And she was like in a family of people who were really fabulous singers. And she was a good musician, but she was um, a great songwriter and she was really funny. So even though she wasn't the best singer in her family, she kind of ended up being the best entertainer. And I guess I was always inspired by how she... Looked at her, like, utility belt. Cherry picked what she was good at and just highlighted it. And then, I mean, she wrote some of the, she wrote Ring of Fire. Like, she wrote, she wrote songs in a way that she talks about deep things and presents it so well that you don't even realize. She compares being in love to being on fire. And people don't even realize that they're hearing that. And, I mean, she's, to me, I wish, she passed away when I was, like, 16. I could never see her perform, but obsessed with her. Oh, and... Melissa Etheridge, Yes, I Am album. I was like 15 years old. I mean, I learned guitar playing all those songs. She's an icon. I feel like you're doing both of those women proud. I uh, mean, like, uh, may I just say as a, I assume a Melissa Etheridge, like, stand-in. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm, I assume I get to speak <laughs> to her at, the, yeah. at this point. But, yeah, I think you're killing it. Yeah, she's a legend. Uh, well, good luck with the rest of your tour. You're well, the best. You. you were the best for making time for us. Thank you. In this you. really, really tight schedule we have. Thank you, Trixie. Woo! Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Fake nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ear, ear, ear.